Now they're going, what they're doing is they're going down to the common ground to redo the whole thing again. So, uh, amen. You know, I, if you're like me, I just, I love seeing the kids up here. And when you watch them sing, you know, you watch the, the little, little, littlest ones. And for me, if they can just stand here, they have accomplished a major miracle. I mean, that, that's the miracle, just so they can just be here. Uh, and then you watch the next step, they grow a little bit, and then they sing a little bit more, and you kind of see how they kind of carry that tune, and it comes out, and then you see the, the bigger ones, and uh, man, they're, they're, they're doing it for real, you know, I mean, they're all doing it for real, but you just watch them grow, and, and I don't know about you, that just brings such a joy to, to my heart to, to see that, and uh, they're going to be our next, our next group in the choir, you know, so it's kind of, it just works its way on up. Um, so uh, I just want to celebrate that with you today and, and also celebrate, you know, when we get um, the kiddos up front that, that lead, you, you know, you wonder, you know, where do your pastors come from? Where do your youth directors come from? Where do your Sunday school teachers, you know, and, and you all know because you all have been here, <laughs> you know, you all have done stuff like this and you know how it happens. You know how they grow. Uh, I'm going to celebrate that with you this morning. It's so, it's a beautiful thing. And so to be in that ministry of shaping your lives, raising you up in faith, it's a gift that God gives us. As we um, focus in this morning on raising up the next generation, I want to read uh, just one phrase uh, from the scripture this morning from, this, from 1 Samuel uh, in the third chapter, and it's the beginning of verse 3. And it's a phrase that reads like this. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. The setting for that is that, that Eli and Samuel are there in the temple. It's at night. It's dark. You know, and you kind of get the sense of how it's all kind of closing in. And in the midst of all of that, the focus is on the light and how that light begins to, to burn within the hearts and the lives of Eli and Samuel and the people of faith. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And so with that uh, thought in our minds, I invite us to bow together and to pray today. Gracious God, we give you thanks uh, for a beautiful morning for our children, for their witness and for their leadership and for the ways they are before us today. We thank you for the ways they are with us every day. And Lord, we know that, that your beauty would shine in and through them. And we know that for that to happen, that we have a responsibility, that we have a part to play, that we are the ones who raise them up. And so as we do that, Lord, we ask for your strength. We ask for your wisdom. We ask for your guidance. You know, we know it's a challenge. You know it's a challenge. And we need you in all of that so that they might be who they can be because we have been who we could be in you. And so, Lord, in that truth, we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to what you would speak to us today in and through your word and let it all be to the blessing of your children and to your glory in and through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to talk this morning about a vision for the future. Vision for the future. You know, and sometimes when you want to get a vision for the future, it's interesting to me to, to kind of look to Hollywood, actually. I, you know, you might think, well, why would you look to Hollywood? Well, for me, sometimes uh, Hollywood has kind of a cinematic clairvoyance about what's out ahead. 
And, and let me share with you how I kind of see that coming forward. Uh, you know, generations ago, at one point in time, there was Buck Rogers, and I don't know if anyone remembers that kind of Buck Rogers. He, he flew in outer space in these space machines, and everybody looked at that and said, wow, will that ever be? You know, and now we have NASA and we have the space shuttle. There was Buck Rogers or, or uh, Dick Tracy. I remember, remember Dick Tracy. He used to talk into his phone, you know. And you're like, will we ever talk into our phones? Well, thank you, Apple, you know. And uh, so you, you see how that come forward. Perhaps a couple of years ago, a little bit more in the modern, uh, a little bit more modern, you saw Minority Report. I remember that was the first movie where I ever saw retinal scanning or facial recognition. And I thought, will that ever happen? You know, <laughs> and you and I know, <laughs> that's what's going on these days. Or perhaps you saw, you've got mail. Uh, that was with um, Tom Hanks and, and Meg Ryan. It was a real popular movie, and it was a fun movie. That was one of the first movies where you started to have online romance. You know, where you kind of had, you've got mail, and, and people would email back and forth, and, and, you know, was that going on in that day? Well, not wholesale, but nowadays you talk to people, well, how did you meet? Online. You know, and so what you see is that, that in the cinema, in the movies, you want to learn a little bit about the future, well, go to the movies and, and see what's happening. Now, all of those are kind of, you know, some interesting, kind of uplifting or fun ways of looking at things, but I want to share with you, if you go to the movies today, and you begin to see the, the future that's painted in terms of what's on the big screen, it's more dystopian than that. It's darker than that. Perhaps you've gone and seen The Hunger Games. Or maybe you've seen Blade Runner. I don't know how many Blade Runner fans we have here. Perhaps you've seen Blade Runner. Or perhaps you have seen uh, even Disney, Wally. You know? You begin to look at some of these movies and what you see, the, the picture that's painted, is grim. It's grim, it's dark, it's dystopian. And you begin to look at that and you say, okay, is, is that part of the future that's kind of envisioned and swirling out there? You know, because that's, that's on the big screen. But is that for real? I want to share with you this morning, friends, that you know, things are happening that are not on the big screen that you and I need to pay attention to. I don't know if you saw that the UN came out with their climate report this last week. When they came out with the climate report, they said by the year 2030, if we don't kind of get things straightened out in terms of how we deal with the climate, that they use the term irreversible, we're going to begin to suffer irreversible effects. Now, you may believe that, you may not believe that, buy into it, you may not buy into it, but I still kind of, it makes me think. Hopefully it makes you think. You know, you begin to, to think about uh, uh, the way that, um, think about my next point here. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, oh, Stephen Hawking. That's what I was going to talk about next, Stephen Hawking. And Stephen Hawking and um, artificial intelligence. And with artificial intelligence, Stephen Hawking, who's one of the most intelligent people uh, in, the, in the history of the world, says that is artificial intelligence, when it fully develops, it's going to mean the end of the human race. I want you to think about that. Artificial intelligence, when it fully develops, will mean the end of the human race. That's Hawking's opinion, of course. Perhaps you read the article in the New York Times this week, and they were talking about what will begin to, this is much closer to home, when all the appliances in your home have a computer chip in them. 
And so when they all start communicating together, and, and what the, the article, they use the term at the head of the article, creepy. It's going to be creepy when our house all, when your refrigerator starts talking with your phone, starts talking with your light, starts talking with your thermostat, and you say, you know, I don't know about that, you know, and I think, well, right now I have a smart TV, and while I'm watching the TV, the TV's watching me. And, and maybe you have that, maybe you have Alexa in your house, and when you're talking to Alexa, you know, Alexa's listening to you, you know, and listen to you always. And so you begin to think, well, what's it going to be like when every appliance in your house is like that? You know? And what's it going to be like? I listened to the sports guys when I was driving into work, and they were talking about robots and robots running the world. Well, you know, sports guys kind of talk about a lot of kinds of things, but, you know, robots are coming forward. And of course, there's cybercrime where the identity uh, of 50 million or 90 million or 100 million people is compromised. And they talk about cyber warfare. And so you begin to hear these things that are swirling around, and it's not on the big screen, it's in the big world. And I'm concerned about that. And I hope that you're concerned about that. Because I want to tell you, friends, we have skin in the game. You and I have skin in the game. Because that is the world. See, I've got kids, and I've got grandkids, and you've got kids, and you've got grandkids, and we have all these beautiful church kids. That's the world that they're growing up in. That's the world that they're going into. And so we start to pay attention to that. We start to look at that. And we know we're not simply talking about the future. What we're talking about is their future. What we're talking about is their future. And you begin to ask, well, where are the bright spots? Where are the signs of hope? Where is the better tomorrow? Where, where is all of that in that picture? Where do we look? Because that picture can look pretty dark and it can look pretty dismal. And it kind of reminds me of the scripture this morning because I want to tell you that's the background for the scripture this morning. Whenever you read words in the scripture where it says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare and visions were not widespread. What that means is people were looking around for God and they couldn't find God. They couldn't hear God wherever they looked. And when, from a biblical perspective that's about as dismal as it gets when you're looking for God and God is not there. And so they bring that forward. And the scene, the setting for the scripture this morning is filled with that kind of darkness. It's, it's just painted into the scene. What they have, and you have to picture this in your mind, is that it's at night. And they're in the middle of the temple, and the temple is dark. And as the temple is dark, they have Eli, who is the old man, who is blind, who is off in a side room. And they have Samuel, who is the young boy, who's, who's laying there by the, by the altar. It would be like you come into the church at night and all the lights are out. And you know, and I'm snoring over in the sacristy. And what happens is one of the, one of the kids has their sleeping bag out in the front here. I want to tell you, if you come into church in the dark of night, it's kind of an interesting place to be. It's kind of, it's, it's like, whoa, it just kind of, I won't say creepy, but it's kind of, it's really interesting being here in the dark of night. But when you read the scripture, the scripture doesn't focus in on the darkness. What the scripture does is it focuses in, in the middle of the darkness, it focuses in on the altar, and on the altar is the lamp of God. There is this flickering light, there's this flicker in the front. And what the scripture says, that in the midst of the darkness, 
in the midst of the darkness, the lamp of God did not go out. In the midst of the darkness, the lamp of God did not go out. In the midst of all that darkness that was around, there was that light of hope. And this is a story about how that flame, how that flickering flame gets fanned up into the heart and into the life of an old man who is too blind and deaf to see visions of God or to hear the word of God, how it comes alive in the life of a young boy who is too young and inexperienced to know the call of God, and how that same fire, that same light, can come to life in the lives of the children and the grandchildren that we care about, and in your life, and in my life. It is a story about how the flicker grows into a flame of faith, and so we talk together and we focus on raising up the next generation in faith. That's what we do together, focus on raising up the next generation in faith. Now the truth is, as we come into this, that all of those social forces that I brought up just a little bit ago, we have very little control over influencing any of them. We can do a little bit, but we're not going to do a lot about any of, any of those big forces. But I want to share with you, friends, we have incredible influence. We have an incredible influence over the lives of our children and of our grandchildren and of our church children. That is the steward. We talk about stewardship. That is the stewardship that God gives to me and God gives to you is their lives and growing them up in that faith and making sure that that flame comes off the altar and gets lit in their heart. That's what we're talking about this morning. That's the vision of the future. And so you see how the scripture leads us into that this morning. And it says several things I'm going to bring forward this morning. First thing I think it says is make sure that we keep the children near the flame. Make sure that we keep the youth near the flame. Samuel's place was to lay down right by the flame. And we need to do the same. Keep the kids near the flame. And here's what I mean by that. When you begin to think about Christmas time here at the church and there's this beautiful, what happens on Christmas Eve here is beautiful. And you've all, if you've been part of the Spring Valley worship on this, we come at Christmas Eve and there's a time at the end of the service when all the lights go out and everybody has a candle and we stand next to each other and it's all dark except the Christ candle is up front and it's flickering. And what happens is I go up, I light a candle and I light the ushers and they go out and we all light each other's candle. And so what happens is it goes from one flicker to the flame, to the brightness that, that fills the entire house. There's a truth of faith that is right there. I want to share with you, friends, that's the way that faith works. It just passed from life to life to life to life. That's the way that the light travels from life to life to life to life. See, faith is caught as much as it is taught. And the life that you and I live before our children is perhaps the thing that teaches our kids the most about the faith. See, they watch you, and they watch me, and we are mentoring them even when we may not mean to be mentoring them. They are soaking it all in. And so when we live our lives as people of faith, people of love, people of Christ in their presence, 
They see that. They feel that. They know that deeper than you and I can, can imagine. I tell you, just live in your life as a person of faith in the presence of those you love. Faith is caught. Faith is also taught. I tell you, to have our kids come and to have them in Sunday school like Laura described and to sing steady serve, to have them up front and to be in worship, to have them at home and to have prayer time at home around the dinner table or maybe in the evening, to read the scripture in your home when your child is on your knee and you, and you have that storybook and you read to them the stories of the faith and then they come and they receive a third grade Bible from the church. And then you go home and you encourage them to read that Bible and you begin to, to talk with them about what do they mean as they grow up. You know, they learn about that in Sunday school too and they learn about that in youth group and they mature in that. And then you watch them as they go forward in, and they do mission projects here in Sunday school. Uh, Laura mentioned the blessing bags that, that they're going to use to share with the homeless uh, when they see them. And it goes from there, and we're going to be going to Austin Street where you can make, they can make sandwiches. They can even go down there as they get older and meet those who are in the Austin Street Center. And then we take them out mission in Wesley Rankin, West Dallas, and mission trips. And, and you can see what happens. It's just like as the kids grow up in the little choirs and they grow on them. That's how they grow up as, as young women and men of faith in our life together. And we teach them that. And we make a commitment as a church to bring them into that kind of environment and we stand with the families as a church to make sure that that happens here and to make sure that in your home that can happen in your home because what we believe it's important that your children be taught the faith. Part of teaching them the faith is teaching them that the call is real. In the scripture this morning it centers around the whole notion of call. What call is, it's not, an, I don't think it usually is as an audible, it could be an audible voice, but that's not the way I usually think of it. The way I usually think of it, it's a stirring in your heart. It's where your heart stirs and moves, at a crossroads place, at a place where your faith in God intersects with the need of the world, at a place where your love for Jesus begins to intersect with the need of the neighbor that you see around you. And what happens is at that intersection, when you pay attention to that intersection, you can begin to, to feel and to know how that spirit moves. Because here's what you begin to see. You'll begin to see somebody suffering, somebody who's in sorrow. And it touches your heart and there's something that moves in you and you say, you know what, I wanna do something about that. I'm sensitive to that. That is a call of compassion. That's the spirit awakening compassion in you, awakening compassion in our children. And then they comfort and they console and they care. And we do that as adults and kids do that too. And then you'll see someone out there struggling, struggling for equity, struggling for dignity, struggling for what is fair, struggling for what is right. Something in you begins to move. And you say, you know what, I need to be in that place with that person. I need to be helping out in some way. I need to be teaching. I need to be building. I need to be healing. I need to be marching. Maybe I need to be running. Maybe I need to be riding. I don't know what you need to be doing, but something in you moves. And you say, what, I need to be part of bringing forward something that will help break this cycle of this person and lead them out. And you say, you know what, that sounds like a big adult kind of concept to me. 
Well, I want to share with you, and you already know this, there's an innate idealism in children. You know that, and I know that. They have a sense of what is right and what is fair. They have that built in. They have a sense of caring. You watch little kids and how they will come. When somebody suffers, they know that. They'll come up and they'll hug their leg. And, you know, it's built in. That whole notion of call is built in. And what we do is we teach them to understand that that's part of how the Holy Spirit moves in their lives. That's part of how we grow and develop them up so that they can respond. And this is the last thing we teach them. We teach them how to say yes to God. Because what you see in the scripture this morning is that when Eli and Samuel were together, you see, Eli, who is the older one, did not hear God's call to Samuel. Samuel heard it. Sometimes what will happen is our children will hear. They will respond. They'll see. They'll be sensitive. They'll be compassionate. You know, they'll be moved. And what we need to do as those who are the adults is even if we don't really, you know, you know hear it the way they hear it, what we don't want to do is discount it. What we don't want to do is discredit it. What we want to do is help them discern it because that's what Eli did. Eli said to Samuel, what you do, Samuel, is you need to lay down. And when you lay, need, when you lay down what you need to say, when you hear that call, when you hear that moving, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. We need to teach our children and our youth how to say yes to God in those places in their lives where God is moving in their lives. Yes, Lord, your spirit is listening. We need them to teach them to say, yes, I'm listening. Listening is paying attention. It is making a focus. It is saying that this has moved in my heart and I'm not just going to let it go. And I'm not just going to say, hey, it's, it's kind of, you know, it can just drift away. It's beginning to say that what he hear, what a child hears, what a youth hears is important in their life. It's important to pay attention to. It's important to let God lead them to grow their heart in that compassion, to grow their heart in that sense of justice. So we listen to that. It's important to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing. Because when you look at the whole sentence, speak, Lord, your servant hears, there's that sense of willingness in that. And our children need to know that what happens is when they are willing, that they are joining their will with God's will. Because it is God's will to make the world a better place. It is God's will to bring healing and hope into lives. And when our children say yes to that, their will is joining with God's will. Their yes with God's yes to the world in ways that everyone goes and grows forward in God's kingdom. And the third thing we teach our kids to do, our children to do, is say, yes, Lord, I'm serving. They're listening. They're willing. They're serving. At the end of the day, it comes down to action. At the end of the day, it comes down to what they do, to what they do in terms of how they live out God's truth in the world. And I want you to see, friends, what is happening as we do that. Because when we teach our children to say, yes, I am listening, I am paying attention to how God calls. Yes, I am willing to be part of that. I have that heart. Yes, I am serving. I have those kind of hands. When we teach our children to do that, they are becoming the light of the world. The flame that was on the altar is coming alive in them. That light of life 
that is theirs and that is all of ours in Jesus Christ is coming alive in them and they are growing up. And when we say, where do we look for the bright spots? Where do we look for the sign of hope? Where do we look for the better tomorrows? You know where we look? We look at them. We look at what's happening in their lives. And as we look at what's happening in their lives, right there we know that faith has gone from flicker to a flame to the light, the light of life in Jesus Christ, the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. That's who they are. That's who we are. The light of the world to let our, the city sit on a hill, to let our light so shine that they would see everything that we all do and we give glory to our Father in heaven. Dear friends, we have been given a wonderful stewardship and it is the stewardship of raising up our children in that faith And may God bless us with God's spirit as we move forward in that ministry together. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this stewardship. We give you thanks for the ways that you invite us to move forward to raise up our children in faith and the difference it makes in their lives. Lord, for that we want to praise you even as we're here this day worshiping you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his name we pray. Amen.